Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. The big guns are back in the studio. Benny's put together a big show. Nims is making us look good by pressing all the right buttons. It is the A-team in the house this morning. We would love for you to get involved. one 736 736 is the coming up under a week to go in the trade period. Clearly, that's going to dominate a lot of our discussions this morning. Uh, and including um, a player that has joined the Hawthorne Footy Club, Kyle Harding, and just heard uh, Gary and Tim, the finish of their show there, wondering why um, Hawthorne have gone down that road for another mature age player to play in defence at 28 years of age. We'll get that from um, Kyle's mouth on why he's joined the Hawks and how he sees the footy club moving forward when a lot of the commentary has been about the Hawks needing to go to the draft and get younger. So it was a bit of a surprise to me, but we'll get the latest with Kyle, who's the Hawthorne's latest recruit, Brett Phillips. Plenty of news happening in the tennis world. Will there be an Australian Open? How will it be held? And how is this country gearing up for a massive summer of tennis? Sammy Edman with all the trade news and the latest developments right throughout the morning with the best in the business, Sam Edman, who has been on fire, it must be said. And Jade Rawlings was sacked by North Melbourne with a couple of years ago on his contract, now finds himself in South Australia coaching Norwood on a three-year contract. We will Jade this morning, but the show doesn't happen without your calls and without your involvement, so you can join in right now. There are lines available, but I want to get the show underway with this. Yeah, on behalf of Josh, yeah. Oh, not that one. Nims, I just said you're going to make me good. What you do, there it is. There it is. We jumped the gun. There's my little music. We'll hear from Pickers shortly. Just hold fire, Pickers. But with under a week to go in the trade period, It is the most frenetic time on the AFL calendar. It's time we take stock and have a look at how the system can be improved. I reckon clubs deserve to be handed back some of the power, which has swung disproportionately in favour of the players. And secondly, I reckon the fans deserve more transparency when it comes to this time of the year. So there's two rule changes that just have to be made. And it's becoming increasingly common for contracted players to quit on their clubs and demand a trade. So yesterday on AFL Trade Radio, Liam Pickering, who's the manager of Western Bulldogs midfielder Josh Dunkley, declared that his client wants to walk away from the Dogs with two years remaining on his deal. Yeah, on behalf of Josh, I'll, you know, obviously let the Bulldogs know that he is keen to get to the Bombers. The situation there is that, you know, the, the Dogs' initial starting point is, you know, that they're not interested in trading him, which is understandable. But um, Josh is pretty keen to get there, so, you know, it's really up to the Bombers now and, and, and the Dogs to get their, uh, get together and see if they can change their opinion or they can uh, get something that's worthwhile to make it happen. There you have it. He's out. Essendon, Zoratio, Fantasia, Brownlow medalist Lockie Neal, former Melbourne and Fremantle forward Jesse Hogan, who did it twice, and Melbourne defender Stephen May have all demanded to break a contract in order to be traded to another club. The Western Bulldogs have just six days to deal out a disgruntled player who is in the leadership group and was clearly part of the future. 
so willing to pick up that contract without the player's consent. Clubs have been dictated to by players and their managers just because another club put a good contract in front of their nose, just like Essendon have clearly done with Dunkley, and it's too good for him to refuse. This has to change. So the 2020 scenario of this is Adam Trelaw. Collingwood should be able to trade Trelaw without his consent as long as Trelaw isn't worse off financially or by the length of a contract he already has in place. If the Pies don't want Trelaw and say Gold Coast do, then that's it. The player doesn't get a choice. Right now, it is all one-way traffic, and I don't reckon that's right. Same goes for Trelaw's teammates, Tom Phillips, Jaden Stevenson, and Mason Cox. So that's the first rule that's got to change. The second one is, and I won't apologise for sounding like a broken record on this, but it has never been clearer that player wages just have to become public. What a joke of a system we have when it's all well and good for the world to know that Jeremy Cameron is getting 950 times five at Geelong, Brad Crouch is getting 600 over four with a trigger for a fifth at the Saints, Joe Danaher is on 700 at the Lions, and Zach Williams has to deal with the pressure of everyone knowing that he's one of the highest paid players in the game just because they are free agents. Yet, we don't know what any other players in the competition are getting. That remains a secret. Furthermore, I reckon the Collingwood fans deserve and have a right to know how its club has mismanaged its salary cap so badly to the point they are willing to gift away some of the club's biggest stars without any explanation whatsoever. If the player's wages were public, fans would be able to critique and keep the list department accountable for the cowboy way in which they've been doing business. These two changes would absolutely improve the free agency and trade period. Clubs should be allowed away to trade away contracted players, and it's never been more evident that player wages should become public. What would you change throughout this trade period? It's time for you to have your say, and you can join in the conversation on 1300 736 736 or send us a temper text on 0433 98 Get involved this morning. There are lines available right now. Sam Jacobs, former Adelaide and Giants ruckman, reckons the trade period is too long. That's an that's a aspect of the period that he would change. Others have said the free agency period must go. Other people have been critical of the compensation system that is handed to the club, which we all think is a bit of a secret formula, how the AFL decides that. There's some of the changes that I think we need to have a look at throughout this period. We'd love for you to get involved this morning. Mao is going to kick us off on the captain's run. What's your thoughts on the trade period, Mao? and is there anything that you would change? Okay, well, firstly, Kane, I like what you said about um, the players can jump when they, well, they want to jump, but if a club wants to get rid of a player, like what's a common, I know, allegedly, I'll go allegedly, I put a thing, well, we don't know about what's going on with the floor until we hear from Collingwood. And this woman, woman uh, responded to me and said her son plays for Brisbane Lions and he was delisted last week by a text. Mm. So everyone's throwing Conway on the bus like we're this bad, evil, terrible person. But still we don't... I know everyone's speculating. No one seems to know what's really going on. And, you know, as Conway supporters, just see some of the stuff on social media. My God. I'm thinking, God, everyone relax. You know, no one knows, but... Mm. Like Tim, Tim yesterday, it was amazing, Tim. I'm sure when he was talking about Collingwood and Talor, he was watching the 1990 replay of the Premiership wearing his Essendon gear and just screaming how disgraceful and terrible and what they've done is just unbelievable. And, 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 but we still don't know what's going on. No one knows outside of the story. 
And that's what, yeah. Uh, and that, well, that's that's my point. I think you know, and there's been some criticism over the media throughout this time, as there always is. Mason Cox was pretty outspoken on uh, him losing respect for the media at this time. Tom Rockcliffe said similar on Twitter after. Um, the reports of Brad Crouch and some media jumping the gun with what might happen there. But equally, I reckon clubs are just as much to blame at this time. I, I mean, to, to sit here and listen to the clubs talk right now, I reckon half of what they say is true. You know, we, we, we hear clubs speak about players at their clubs and no, they're off the table. They're not on the table. They're staying. And then a week later, you watch these players will be traded out despite the club saying that they're required players. We heard Adelaide say that they're absolutely going to match the deal for Brad Crouch. Well, three days later, they don't. So equally, I reckon media and clubs and managers have to take some responsibility about keeping the fans who make the game and invest their money, particularly this year, across what's going on, and none more so at Collingwood. I reckon the way that they've... Um, navigated this period has been as poor as I've seen, I reckon. If I was a Collingwood fan, I'd be bitterly disappointed about the lack of information coming out, and that's why I think play wages being public gives the fans access to how clubs are managing their salary cap and an insight into keeping them accountable for the mistakes that have been made. Uh, Lou is from Fountain Gate. G'day to you, Lou. Morning, Kane. Um... Just, I'm not a Collingwood supporter, so it doesn't bother me either way. But on one hand, you just said there, Collingwood have mismanaged the Trelaw thing so badly. They need to let their supporters know what's going on, and it's just so bad how they've done it. But then on the other hand, you said, oh, they should be able to just ship Trelaw off the Gold Coast if they want to. So they stuff up, mismanage their own books, and they can stuff a player around because they haven't done their job properly. That doesn't seem right either. Wouldn't that make it? a lot more transparent, though? Wouldn't we all become accustomed to that? Might make it more transparent, but why should a player uproot his whole family because one club couldn't mismanage their their books when he's got a five-year contract and done everything to help the club out? So, yeah. so why why is it okay for a player to do that then, Lou? Why why is it okay? For I, don't, Josh... I, I don't think it's I don't think it's okay for a player to do that either. So, if Josh Dunkley's got a got a contract, Footscray need to hold their nerve and say, right, you're here for two years. That's it. Mm. Becomes difficult though, I think, when when a player publicly declares that he doesn't yep. want to play for that football club, but, it, make, it makes it but, hard for that player to walk back in there. I understand that, Kane, but one one minute you said, oh, Collingwood have been so bad and mismanaged everything. Okay, we've mismanaged this. Let's just uh, stuff Trelaw around. He can uproot his family. He's going to Queensland. He's got no choice. Only if, well, it is how it works. It how, it, it's how it works in a lot of sports, and it seems to work extremely well. Only if that club, be it Gold Coast, are willing to pick up the contract that Collingwood have given to law. Now, they may not want to do that because, as I've said, they've mismanaged it so badly and they've overpaid in terms of dollars and years. So they, they may not have a club willing to pick up the contract. Then, too bad, Collingwood. You, you've got to, you've got to stomach what comes your way with the Trelaw contract. But I just think, at this time, clubs get, um, you know, put over hot coals with players deciding they want to go. And we see it year after year after year. And, and yes, there's the odd occasion where it's Tom Papley and it works out for Sydney who say, no, you, you're contracted, you're staying and we'll work it out. But equally, 
there's a situation where, you know, Brad Crouch wants to go, Crows hold him to it, and the Crows end up worse off the year after. Same with Essendon and Joe Danaher. I just think the clubs need more power, and players at this time are having too much power in this, and it needs to be evened up. But thank you for the debate, Lou. Always appreciate it. Matthew is on the Gold Coast. G'day to you, Matt. Hey, Kane. How are you, mate? Good. Um, I would like to talk about um, the, the Dane Beans contract. I think all these problems with Collingwood's pushing back salary caps and that is all stemmed from that Dane Beans contract. 2018, we chased him hard right at the very end, which has caused Trelaw, Phillips, uh, Cox to all have to push back their their player payments. Why isn't there more disclosure with regard to what's happened with Dane Beans? Correct. And, uh, Correct. You know, Without that contract, you're spot on. Matt, 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 you're, having... you're spot on. So this is all solved by player wage becoming public, and that 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 keeps people like yourself, passionate Collingwood fans, it keeps the club accountable to how they're spending their money. Why is this information secret? Why is it a secret um, at, at other clubs such as you know Port Adelaide who are, are letting go Jack Watts and, and paying him out? Well, yeah. Why why does that remain a secret? Why isn't that information publicly available to the Port Adelaide fans who want to know how the club's spending the money? E- equally, Jack Stephen at Geelong. Now, what's Jack Stephen being paid? But, but his condi- his um, condition would have been known prior to them signing that contract. So why has it got to be paid out? Isn't it a pre-existing condition? Well, no, I think I think you know in in relation to that, it's just a, an agreement between the player and the club. But but I just I find it extremely hypocritical that we have player wages that are free agents public, but no one else is. I I just don't get it, and it's never ever been more yeah, obvious than this time of the year where player wages need to be available for everyone to see. Charlie is in Garden Vale. Uh, your thoughts on the Collingwood situation, Charlie? Yeah, look, it's um, obviously it goes back to their management's been less than good, um, and um, you can push it all the way to the president. The president has, has an opinion on everything, on everyone, all the time until it comes to this, and then he goes mightily silent and he doesn't know anything. Um, it starts at the top, mate, and they've they've stuffed it up royally, and um, yeah, they're just trying to get out of it. Um, and for the for the young bloke to you know, push all his money back that he was owed, he's never he's never said he wants to go. He should stand his ground and make him pay. Just make him pay. Make him pay because yeah. he's done nothing wrong. It, it, I have been through a, a similar situation. I don't like talking about yourself, but um, I, I had a couple of years ago on a, a Port Adelaide contract, not not five years, and and the coach said we're going to try and trade you out and. I said, well, I'm not going anywhere. My son had serious health issues. He was settled with his cardiologist here in Adelaide. I said, we need the care here in Adelaide. We're comfortable with it. So it is a tough thing to do to go to a club for that pre-season where you know you're not wanted, but it can be done. And look, Adam Trelaw, it's not the worst situation to be in. He's going to be fine financially. He's not going to be any worse off there. He's still going to get to play for a big club if that's what he chooses to do. And the Collingwood fans, from what I'm hearing, still love him and still want him there. So... He's not in the worst situation, but it is difficult to go back to a club who who clearly do not want you. Damien's in Mill Park. G'day to you, Damo. Hey, Kane. How are you, mate? Good. Anyway, I've got a few a few opinions. Uh, the the AFL trade, it's just it goes on for too long. They should have a few days. That's it. These list managers, it's not like years ago. They they know what's going on. They talk to players throughout the year. They 
and kind of if we had it a few, if we had it a few days instead of you know what is it two weeks, mm. two and a half at the moment. Yeah, it's, it's too long, too much stuffing around. You get players start opening ideas in their heads. I I, I agree with you with trading players like the NBA does, and man, these players are they're, they're privileged. They get paid for what they do. Um, and they got too much of a say right now. Like, you know, if you sign a if you sign a contract, I I agree. You have you, you should stick by it. Like the previous boss said with Josh Dunkley, mm. but with the Adam Trelaw circumstance, Collingwood stuffed up. They gave Grundy seven years. They signed Wales up. Um, even even Dane Beams, which didn't go right. Well, it's not unfortunately Collingwood. It's not Trelaw's fault. If he wants to stay, well. You know, the con- he signed the contract. He has to stay. That's it. Good on you, Damo. Appreciate your contribution to the show. We'll get to Nick, Jason, and Renee on the other side of this. The numbers one three hundred seven three six seven three six. What would you change about the tra- the trade and free agency period? One thing that the Giants have, I think, demonstrated by the fact that they matched the offer is that they were looking for to be better compensated than what they would have through the AFL pre-agency compensation. So if we can do a deal where the Giants are better off than what they would have been with the free agency compensation as issued by the AFL, well, then um, I think that we've got those assets at our disposal, I suppose, to try and come up with something that does mean that they are better off. Geelong list boss, uh, the guru, Stephen Wells, speaking to AFL Trade Radio yesterday as the stalemate between the Geelong Footy Club and the Giants continues after the Giants matched the bid for Jeremy Cameron. Can tell you this morning that the player the Giants want is Brandon Parfit from Geelong. So th- that is the player that they've identified. They've been pretty outspoken that it's not necessarily picks that the Giants want. And clearly, if I'm Leon Cameron, I want players. That's why Jesse Hogan has gone there. They need early wins next year and... Um, GWS have targeted heavily Brandon Parfitt in this trade negotiation with uh, Jeremy Cameron. Also, obviously, some picks involved in that one there as well. One three hundred seven three six seven three six is the number. Nick's in Strathmore. He's been waiting patiently. Hey, Nick, what's your thoughts on the trade period? Yeah, good morning, Kane. How are you, mate? Good, thanks. I've got to you a couple of things. If a player is picked straight out of the draft as a young man and he doesn't, you know, he's pick, he's, he's got to go to the club he's picked at. If he's given that club seven years, he should be able to leave that club. If they can't keep him and keep him happy, he should be able to leave without any remuneration to that club at all. If players are traded into a club and they buy into a club, then the clubs should have the right to retrade them. But not on the first instance. But Trelaw again is a totally different thing. And I'm a Richmond supporter, so mm. good luck to him. I mean, we, we were a crap club, apparently, uh, and he didn't want to come to us. But he, um, he's already given them twice uh, relief in money so he can, you know, so they could back-end his contract on that. They owe him that money, and he should just get it. Mm. Okay, good on you, Nick. Appreciate your thoughts there. It was a sliding doors moment for Adam Trelaw when he, when he did choose Collingwood over Richmond and I think the quote at the time was he thought Collingwood were closer to a premiership than Richmond well three flags later um, a decision he'd love to have back but hindsight's a wonderful thing Jason's in Newport your thoughts Jace? G'day Kane how you going? I'm good mate 
Yeah, good mate. I just want I just want to pump up the Sydney Swans, mate. I just want to I just want to uh, get your opinion on what the Sydney's young side and how they went this year. What you, what your thoughts are? Oh, I'm actually okay with exactly where Sydney are at. I think they finished 16th or something, but I thought they were competitive in most games. You know, four out of their best ten out for the majority of the year. I think they've got some good young players. So I'm comfortable with where this, the Swans are at. Jace, what about you? Oh, yeah, mate. I'm pretty happy as well. But I, was, I just think um, with a, I'm, hope, I'm hoping Aaliyah Lee stays around and a ruck. We need a ruck, though. What, what, what's your thoughts on a ruck? What do you reckon we should get? Well, I think they'll be ruck. I, th- I think they'll be ruck come up late. Uh, the likes of, you know, Stefan Martin haven't yet signed at Brisbane. I think there's 140 uncontracted players at the moment. As clubs are dealing with the new list sizes, which they are yet to be informed what they will look like in salary cap, there's a lot of uncontracted players at the moment. So what I think will happen, and you'll see it at North Melbourne, is clubs signing a couple of um, the listed free agents, they get them for nothing, and that's possibly what Sydney and a number sure. of other clubs are doing uh, with their ruck situation. Thank you to you, Jace. Let's get to uh, Renee. Hello to you, Renee. Good morning. Another donut day today, which is fantastic. Great. Looking at the uh, the positive, just two things. The first thing is the media are just banging up this Adam Trelaw thing. One person runs with the story, and everyone plays with it. My football club is a fantastic football club. They will, they rarely do the wrong thing towards their supporters or their staff. So I stand by them 100%. I love Adam and I think he's wonderful. He's always been lovely to me and my friend. Um, but the club is my love and, and the speculation over Brody Grundy's contract, for God's sake, nobody really knows. Nobody knows that he took seven years on less money. So that's one take. And the other thing I just wanted to mention, I've had enough of that salty Matt Rendell. <laughs> you can tell him from me that I'll I've tell got, him. once he comes on once he comes on the radio, I switch it off. Oh, okay, Renee. Well, we, we, we need to get a new news update, a fresh one from Meredith Gibbs. We'll get to Steve and Pete and Jesse on the other side of the news headlines. Yeah, you just heard it there with Meredith in the news. The AFL has received that paperwork for unrestricted free agent Sean McKernan to sign with St Kilda. The AFL currently um, processing the details. Free agency period ends today. So perhaps maybe a couple of others, including Stephen Martin from Brisbane to Western Bulldogs, possibly happening. And uh, um, Tom Brown, Tom Brown also reporting that Tom Phillips, a good chance to join the Hawthorne Footy Club. one three hundred seven three six seven three six is the number. Speaking of Hawthorne, Hawthorne, Steve is there. You want to speak about Collingwood, Steve? Hey, Kane, how are you? I'm good, thanks, Steve. Um, this smells like uh, like the Essendon uh, 2004, Blumfield, Essendon, Hardwick. Hardwick, yeah. They had to get rid of had to get rid of a whole heap of players um, just to cater for some. And, and Collingwood's mismanagement surely something has to roll. Someone has to go and pay for it because you can't just. If you can't run a salary cow, can't run a club that's under a salary cap, well, there's something wrong. Mm, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And it is it is similar to that. It's, I mean, it, it can't be easy, can it, being um, a list manager and, and dealing with salary caps, particularly at this time of year, of course, when it's set to be cut back. But the best clubs do it, and the best clubs fit everyone in and, and get it right. Collingwood have completely botched it, and, and that is that is clear. You don't trade out really good players as a part of your best 22 when you're in 
prime position to win a premiership and a coach who's got, what, one year left on his contract needs wins and needs finals wins and you're going to get rid of four of your best 22. It It is um, it is a bit ridiculous, isn't it, Steve? Particularly if you're going to pay some of that wage and you're going to let them go for well under market rate. So, look, there's six days to go. We'll work out at the end how many of those four from Collingwood leave and what the situation is when it's finished next Thursday night. But right now, it's not looking good at Collingwood, and I agree with your sentiments. Pete's on the road. Good day to you, Pete. Mate, thanks for taking the call, mate. Pleasure. So the first thing, the first thing with trades and uh, list management, I think Collingwood needs to get new calculators. So that way, you know, they don't have, they don't drop the extra zero or add a couple of uh, extra <laughs> yeah. years onto the thing. So that's the first one. Yeah. Uh, I can recommend a couple of brands. Uh, on, a, on a serious note, I don't think, I, I, I think the AFL actually has to make um, some decisions about how they want to manage the trade period because, um, you know, it always, uh, we kind of use the American example as, as a basis, but we kind of do it half pregnant. So, and what I mean by that is, you know, they either have to decide that they want theatre for the journos and good stories or whether they actually want to protect the club's the, the club brand and their own brand, which then aligns more closely with what you say. So the easy one is obviously, you know, the first pickup recruits, whether they stay at a club or four or five years, that, that's an easy one. What happens after that, realistically, I think is about high-level objectives. Do they want theatre during this period? So there's lots of nice reporting and every day we get ping-pong back and forth, you know, news. Or do they want, uh, you know, integrity in the game? I think that's where it rests. Good on you, Pete. Thanks for your thoughts. Uh, Jesse is on the line. Adam Trelaw's situation is intriguing. Jesse, what do you make of it? How's it going, Kano? Um, yeah, just a few things. I, I think it's um, so it's all right for players to walk out on clubs like during free agency or even just break their contract or yeah. whatever the case. So why, why isn't it all right for a club to move on a player? And um, no matter like people are saying about he's got to get his money, he's going to get his money no matter where he goes. He's yep. still going to get paid his money. And no one knows the complete story. I think there's more than just a salary cap done to it. I think there's, like, young kids need time for the midfield. We've got young Dacos coming next year. It's just we need to change something up, you know. And who are you going to move on? You're going to move on Scott Penderbury or you're going to move on Taylor Adams, which is the permanent on bowlers, or um, Adam Floor. He's probably the unlucky one. But, yeah, it's just that. That's, that's what I reckon. Yeah, and I, I agree with you, mate. I think, you know, as much as you be critical of Collingwood and the situation that they're in and you ask the question, well, why did they see fit to give him a five-year contract when they did and then 12 months later they want him out, I think clubs should have the ability to trade out contracted players to any other club willing to pick up the contract. I mean, you're in the, the AFL system for a short period of time. The AFL Players Association would hate it. They'd say that you know it doesn't give the players the choice and it means that they're just shipped off wherever they must go. But it's a short time. Put your name in the draft. You understand that you're going to play your footy anywhere for a short period of time. And we just can't keep having players who are contracted, like Dunkley yesterday, because the Bombers put a five-year deal in front of him, which is worth a lot more than what he's on at the Bulldogs. It's too good to refuse. He wants to break his contract. Well, that's all well and good, but it works both ways. Uh, I just think it would be... Um, shift the balance of power back in favour of the clubs or even it up if they can trade out contracted players to any club willing to accept that contract. Stephen is on the road. Continuing with Adam Trelaw, Steve, your take on it, mate? Oh, continuing with Adam Trelaw and Collingwood. Trelaw came out, uh, as your previous listener said, uh, three or four years ago and said that he went to Collingwood to chase premierships because they had a better list and obviously uh, he's been proven wrong three times. 
delicious synchronicity there between that and the young fellow called Nathan Buckley back in about 2000 who uh, publicly said he was only going to sign with Brisbane for one year as a number one draft pick because he wanted to go to Collingwood and get uh, premierships. We all uh, know what happened in years uh, two, three and four. So it appears to me that the only constant here is Collingwood. Yeah, well, I wouldn't. Those words can come back to bite you as well. Imagine if you know, social media was a thing when Nathan Buckley said that about Brisbane, and then that reared its ugly head. So uh, whatever you say is screenshotted, it's uh, repurposed, and unfortunately for Adam Trelaw, um, that has happened. So if I was a traded player, I wouldn't be saying too much in relation to that because it could come back to get you. It's a good point you make. Uh, Sam's on the line. You're a Collingwood member, Sam. Yeah. Good morning, Kane. Look, I'm a a Collingwood uh, member and I'm extremely disappointed with the way Collingwood has handled the Adam Trelaw debacle, as I would call it. Now, I donated my whole membership uh, this year that's gone by. I've got no issue with that. But the problem I find that's appalling, they haven't come out and articulated to the members what is going on. And uh, it's a a situation that left Adam, Adam to hang out to dry, basically. Uh, he's done nothing wrong, and yet uh, the only thing we've heard is uh, Nathan Buckley putting a uh, a post on Twitter. Well, how in the hell is that communicating to all our members? Where's the transparency, openness and honesty that Buckley always talks about? I think it's, it's very it's, yeah. disappointing. I'm... I'm completely in agreement with you. The, the only thing, well, Ned Guy spoke to Trade Radio and, and Eddie spoke on Triple M, but basically but they both said they won't be commenting publicly and they've given Adam and his management a commitment to do that. But you're right, you're a Collingwood member, you deserve better. And really the best we've got is Nathan Buckley and, and Mason Cox on Twitter at this time. I just don't think it is good enough and acceptable enough when it's been a really difficult time for hundreds of thousands of Collingwood supporters who invested their money for no return um, and that's all they're getting. So I, I don't think that is the way to run a footy club, and I think they deserve better. David is in Elwood. Uh, g'day to you, Dave. Hello. You're on, mate. David, have I got you? We'll get, oh, back, to, we'll get back to David shortly. Benny, have a chat. Yeah, I'm here, I'm here. Okay, mate, I'm fire here. away. We... Yes, Kane, just ordering me coffee. Uh, mate, followed your career closely, so... I'm just interested in your comments about uh, players' plays being disclosed. I listened to uh, when your controversy over your best and fairest came up. I, I tuned in and listened to Chris Dittmar, and he said that Mark Williams used to say to the media about you, don't get on Kane's back, he suffers anxiety, um, don't ask any questions about Kane, don't prompt Kane, because, uh, you know, we're trying to get the best out of him, do us a favour. And I wonder how you would cope if your salary had been disclosed when you were a player. If you did suffer that, I'm not saying that that's true, but that's what he said. Well, well, this is this is um, hilarious because when I was playing, I publicly went on radio and told everyone what I was getting paid. So does it does that answer your question? Okay. All right. The second point being, you, you, your young lad had health issues, and um, that made it. You know, when the club. Port Adelaide want to get rid of you. You said, no, I'm staying. But how would have your career panned out if Port Adelaide had just said, 
as you want players to just be able to be shipped off wherever with no sort of right as to where they can go, they said, all right, well, Kane, Gold Coast probably went around them, but say you're off to the Gold Coast. You would have probably been having to face retirement or go to the Gold Coast in a family situation that wouldn't have been anywhere near ideal. So no, wouldn't, have, wouldn't, have been, wouldn't have been ideal, um, but I would have made it work. Uh, if, if, if you wanted to do it, I would have made it work. You put your name in the draft, you, you understand that you're having to go anywhere. Would it have been the ideal situation for Lucy and Eddie and myself with how ill he was at the time? Probably not. In fact, it wouldn't have been, but, you know, we would have got the Women's and Children's Hospital here in South Australia to recommend someone in Gold Coast, and you make it work. It's professional sport, and, you know, there's unique situations for a lot of players out there, but equally, you must feel some sympathy for the Western Bulldogs, who probably see Josh Dunkley as a, a replacement for Bontempelli as captain, and a year or so ago, he wrote an article uh, for The Athletic saying that he can't see himself playing anywhere else. They wouldn't have foreseen Josh wanting to leave with two years on his deal. So I think it does work both ways. Um, but thank you for your points there, David. Appreciate it. Grant is in Viewbank. G'day to you, Grant. Oh, g'day, Kane. I just had to ring. These Richmond supporters, they've won three flags. Are they going to get over what the law said? Seriously? <laughs> they should be celebrating. Whenever anyone says anything about Richmond, they're on the phone ringing up complaining. Hey, be happy, guys. Don't be salty. You've won three flags in four years. They well Get said. They are, they are a sensitive bunch, my friend. The Richmond, the Richmond fans are a very sensitive bunch. They're not on their own. I reckon the Adelaide fans are up there. Carlton fans certainly very, very touchy. Don't, don't say anything about the Blues. Um, but Richmond are in the top three, I reckon. I think you make a good point. One three hundred. more on the captain's run after this. Mattress like no other. Back with plenty more on the captain's run after this. Minutes past nine. If you're listening to us on SENSA in Adelaide, um, get your thoughts on all things the trade period or, to be fair, anything that has caught your attention in the world of sport. We've got a big show coming your way right through until 12 o'clock. John Rankin is an athlete, an American athlete, who has just a brilliant story to tell, and we're going to get to him after 10 o'clock. Looking forward to doing that. Sam Edmund with the latest news and the freshest news is that Sean McKernan has signed at the Saints. So Saints working their way through the trade period very, very nicely um, by adding players in and not giving up a whole heap to get them. In fact, not giving up anything to get them. Cole Hardigan is a new Hawthorne player. Brett Phillips with the latest on the summer of tennis in Australia. And Jade Rawlings has a new coaching gig. We'll get to him before 12 o'clock. Um, a few weeks ago, I did come on uh, this show when everyone was losing their mind over the Hawthorne, uh, sorry, over the Essendon Footy Club. Um, some saying it has been the darkest day in Essendon history on the departures of Adam Sard and Joe Danaher. Their culture was smashed. It was being labelled a catastrophe. How do you feel now, Bombers fans? I reckon you're feeling a lot better. So Danaher's gone. Uh, get in pick seven for him. Saad is going to go. You get a good pick in for him. You get Coldwell coming in, who's pick 11 in the draft a couple of years ago. Probably not for equal value there. And now Josh Junkley puts his hand up and wants to come to the Bombers. Now, whether they get it done or not is a different story. But um, I did say that Essendon losing Danaher and Saad isn't the disaster that it's made out to be, and that is going to be proven to be correct. Now, I am still have some concerns over the coaching situation at the Bombers and whether Ben Rutten is up to it and how he will go in a, a pretty challenging time as being the head man with no John Warsfold and the game plan questions there. But losing Fantasia, potentially Danaher and Saad, is not 
the catastrophe that many had them believe. And if you can get in two top 10 draft picks, Dunkley, Coldwell, and perhaps um, some others in this period, then it's looking pretty good, I reckon. Bombers fans, one 736 736 North Melbourne also need a coach. They said in the Herald Sun last week, Glenn Archer and Brady Rawlings did an interview, I think it was with Mark Robinson, they said, we want a coach in place by the end of November. Caroline Wilson was on 5AA yesterday and she had some news on North Melbourne and their link to Michael Voss. I know Michael Voss, but everybody heard this, has told North he's not interested mm-hmm. in going through a process. Yep. Um, who knows what will happen if they just decide to call on him anyway. But as we know, he was burnt by a couple of these situations last year. So heaven knows where that is headed, but they are still a mess in my view. And to hear Dennis Pagan speak with such disappointment about his old club really surprised me. Yeah. So Ross Lyons out and Vossi said, you either give me the job or get stuffed. I think that's fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> mm, there you go. So Voss says that, and I would be saying exactly that. If I was Michael Voss, I wouldn't be going through another process after coming top three a few times. Also, Ross Lyon is out. So I just wonder how the North fans are feeling. You've got three weeks by their timeline to name a coach and a couple of candidates that you've targeted already out. So they better get a, a wriggle on. I'm not that confident in this process at North Melbourne. Uh, Ryan is in Coldstream. G'day to you, Ryan. No, Kane. Uh, yeah, I'm a bomber fan, mate. I'm, uh, I was probably the only one I was probably disappointed about leaving was probably start. And he, had a, mm. he had a couple of great years with us. Um, but other than that, I wasn't, you know, happy to keep Danaher last year. But um, after sort of this year, you know, he, he didn't really want to be there. So I'm pretty happy that he's gone. If we can get in there, a couple of young guys, I think we'll actually come out okay. Yeah, feeling a lot better than probably was looking three weeks ago, mate. Yeah, definitely. I think it's a positive thing that a few players actually want to come to the Bombers, how it sort of panned out this year. So something something's going right, I think. Yeah, and what they are saying about Dunkley is, I mean, there's a, there's a fair bit to get through, but usually when a player declares they want out and the club that he wants to go to has as, assets to get him in, like the Bombers do, it usually happens. What they're saying about him is that just great character. So good for culture, hard worker, tough, um, finals players, been there and done that before, premiership players. So chuck him in Essendon's midfield. It's as competitive as most midfields in the game when you look at Parrish and Merritt and McGrath and Shield and Dunkley. It's pretty solid. So not as bad as what it was looking and many had you made out to believe at Essendon about a month ago. We'll get to Rob on the other side of this. You are listening to the captain's run. It is seven minutes to 10 o'clock. Yeah, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Taking your calls as we always do. Rob is in Strathmore and he wants to speak about Essendon. G'day, Rob. G'day, Kane. Um, mate, I'll, we we will have three picks in the top ten. I've got no doubt that we'll get eight facade. I know you don't believe that. I'm not too fussed about getting I don't, not, I don't not believe it. I just read in the Herald Sun that um, Carlton are talking about splitting that pick eight to the Brisbane Lions and. Um, they may get eight, 18 and 19 in return, which does make it a bit complicated. I just don't think the Doriel budge. I know what he's like. And mm. I, I'm not too fussed about Dunkley. I mean, I don't want to give up too much from him. I know he's a very good player. But Essendon needs to rebuild somewhat. And I would make Merritt captain. And I would move Hurley and Hooker forward next year. And then next year pounce on a key position player up forward with the money we'll have in a war chest. 
Mm. Yeah, I mean, the goal-kicking ability is going to be tough, isn't it? How do they kick their goals? It's, that's going to be the hard part. Ross is on the line. Uh, we'll sneak Ross in before the 10 o'clock news. G'day, Ross. Yeah, you know, can't. Just quickly, mate, I totally agree with you on transparency around player movements, uh, especially this time of year. Uh, look at Collingwood. I spoke, speak to you every week about Collingwood Kane, but last week or the, earlier this week, it comes out that Jaden Stevenson had signed a contract extension uh, a couple of years, I think in the middle of last year until the end of 2023. No media release by the club, no no information, just comes out. A little bit like Trelaw's deal. They were signed in 2019 to 2025. Um there needs to be transparency. There just has mm. to be transparency. I mean, as a Collingwood fan, it literally feels as though we've been kicked in the guts and, and run over by a truck the way the club is dealing with a lot of and this I, stuff at the yeah. moment. It's just, I, it's, I it's, can just understand it's really poor. Good on you, mate. It's time now to get the latest news with Meredith Gibbs. There's plenty happening. Another good day for Victoria. Zero coronavirus cases. Gibbsy will tell us all about that as well as the US election. Yeah, been a busy, busy first hour asking you the question, how could the trade and free agency period be improved? I reckon there's two aspects of it. One is that clubs should be able to trade away contracted players to any other club willing to pick up that contract, and that would hand the club some power back, which they have lost by contracted players such as Josh Dunkley and others, Orazio Fantasia, requesting trades whilst they are still contracted, and... I've been banging on about this for years, but it has never been more obvious that player wages need to become public. Just looking at the Collingwood situation and their fans deserving to know how things have gone so badly during this time. And also, why is it okay for the free agents who have left for their wages to be plastered everywhere, yet it's not okay for the other players in the competition? one three hundred seven three six seven three six. We'll get the latest trade news with Sam Edmund. Very, very shortly, Kyle Hardigan's also going to join us. Brett Phillips with the latest on the summer of tennis in Australia and how that's going to go. And Jade Rawlings has got a new coaching gig. He's going to coach his team in his own right. We'll get to him prior to 12 o'clock. I was just, uh, just watching Channel 9 and uh, I did notice that Wedding Crashes, they're planning a sequel. What a, what a brilliant piece of news that is. Wedding Crashes is uh, one of the funniest movies, they're going to go again. So often the sequel's not as good as the original. But I do want to ask, I know it's got nothing to do with sport or it might be a sporting movie, which movie deserves a sequel? 0433981116. Wedding Crashes, they've confirmed. Uh, it's Owen Wilson. Um, who's the other guy? Vince Vaughn, keen to do a sequel. So which movie deserves a sequel? I've got one. The movie Heat, 1995. Um, yeah, a bank robber movie, um, Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, one of, one of the best movies of all time. That needs a sequel. Which movie needs a sequel? 0433981116. Tony's on the road. He joins us this morning. G'day to you, Tony. Yeah, g'day, Cam. How you going? Good, thanks. Um, look, a couple of callers ago, they put their point across about, uh, the situation with Essendon. Before I go on that, I mean, going back to Collingwood, I mean, I think Collingwood heard big time here with the contract they gave Grundy, such the uh, such the price and the longevity of it, and the same with and the same with Dane Beams, how they actually went chase those two players or tied up uh, Grundy on such a long term, and I think it's coming back to bite them now as far as the salary caps, but going back to Essendon, I mean. 
Essendon are in a position where they will trade Saad and they, um, they will try to get Dugley, but they won't. But as far as the next captain goes, a, a couple of callers ago suggested Zach Merritt. Now, if I get my understanding right, Zach Merritt may exercise his free agency next year. So I, I think the ideal person would be for Essendon as a captain would be to have a joint captain, uh, captain between Zach Merritt, uh, sorry, not Zach Merritt, um, McGrath and Dyson Keppel. Dyson Keppel mm. will show him the ropes how to actually go about it. And after 2022, the captain, sole captain will be Merritt. Uh, sorry, uh, McGrath. Yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying, Tony. I think it's an interesting situation for Dyson Heppel. I think um wouldn't be the worst time for him to walk away, and it's worked for other players such as Travis Boak with the, the stage that he's at to release that. But as you're alluding to, there's no obvious successor. I mean, Merritt was that. He was vice-captain, but they took that off him for whatever reason. So I, I can't see that one year he's vice-captain, the next year he's not in the leadership group, the following year he's captain, so I, I don't see that happening. McGrath's got captain written all over him, and he's a player I got wrong, um, Andrew McGrath. I'm happy to put my hand up and say I got him wrong. I, I didn't know that he... I didn't... When he first... In his first year, I didn't think he would be this good. I didn't see him developing as the midfielder that he has become, and um, he's clean, he makes good decisions, and I was wrong about Andrew McGrath. I wasn't sure he was the right pick to be the first pick in the draft, so I was wrong about him. Let us know the player you were wrong about, 0433981116, and we're asking for your movie sequel. Which movie needs a sequel? Step Brothers uh, Wedding Crashes, I should say, are making one. Text coming through, lots of them. Step Brothers needs a sequel, 100% it does. Titanic, not sure how you do a sequel for Titanic. Uh, the ending is is pretty much there, isn't it? Not, not sure where there's much room to go on Titanic. No Country for Old Men is a, is a great movie. I reckon it won the Oscar, didn't it? No Country for Old Men. It's an absolute ripper. And Happy Gilmore. Well, Happy Gilmore needs a sequel before Adam Sandler gets too old. He's, he's not as athletic as he used to be, Adam Sandler. He's um, well into his 50s now. But great suggestions coming through. And which player were you wrong about? I was wrong about Andrew McGrath. Peter is on the road. Uh, you want to speak about this situation unfolding with the Bulldogs and Dunkley, Pete? Yeah, mate, I just got a... So I'm an Essen supporter, and I know Adrian's a bit of a hard person to deal with. Mm-hmm. I know Carlton are threatening um, to um, use their A to get a couple other first-rounders, yep. yep. But what I'd be doing if I was Adrian, I would... Get the eight from um, Carlton because I'm pretty sure Essendon can't um, give the Western Bulldogs their future first round unless they bring a first round uh, in this year. I don't know whether the compensation one puts them in that spot, but then I'd be giving because the dogs don't want any first rounds this year. They want a first round next year. I give them a first round next year and give them a backman. Now this been talk about Hurley and Hooker, I would keep them there because we need those two they're experienced players but if I, if you threw in say Aaron Francis or maybe a Zerk Thatcher with a future first round do you reckon that'd get Dunkley across the line? Well yeah I don't know because you're right in that the Western Bulldogs want, uh, want players and not picks because of their academy bid this year so um, 
I'm not sure if those players would satisfy them, but uh, appreciate your thoughts. Just on that, uh, the Essendon Footy Club will not receive any compensation for Sean McKernan signing with the St Kilda Footy Club. Let's get to Sean, who's in Rye. G'day to you, Sean. Hey, Jane. How are you? Good, thanks. Um, I just want to talk about Charlie Kernow because you were really critical and a lot of Carl supporters uh, bagged you out for it. But I was right behind you. He hasn't played for a year and a half. He's got a really weird knee injury and he was playing good footy. He might, you know, we don't know what we're going to get back. He's on good money. Mm. Would you think about trading Charlie Kernow, freeing up some um, salary space and getting an A-grader? in for him because I know lots of people love him and so do I but who knows if he's actually going to get mm. back to playing um, good footy would you think about yeah chucking him on the trade table I've thought about this Sean I've thought about it and I keep saying to myself he's he's probably a player that could come back to bite you badly like I I just I saw him kick what, what did he kick seven was it against the Western Bulldogs off pretty much no preparation I thought man this guy can be the best player in the comp like that's off no preparation hardly at all he kicks seven um but I'd be really disappointed with him if I was a Carlton supporter um I'm just not sure how seriously he's taking his footy and um the injuries that he's had are, are basically through his own fault I mean some players get injured through no fault of their own clearly Others get injured by doing stupid things. And Charlie Kernow hasn't played for 18 months because he did stupid things off the field. Um, and it was completely his fault. So he owes Carlton. Um, I think he would understand that. And I think he'd be pretty determined to make something of his career. So to answer your question in a long-winded way, no, I wouldn't trade Charlie Kernow because I just think he's a player that in a couple of years' time could be absolutely anything if they get him right. But... Um, it's not silly what you have suggested. Uh, Jack wants to speak about Josh Dunkley. Welcome to the show, Jack. Hey, good day, Kane. How are you going? I'm really well, thanks. That's good, mate. That's good. Uh, yeah, just for Josh Dunkley, being a uh, Western Bulldogs member, um, if he's not all in, if he really wants to get to Essendon, I hope they get the deal done. I hope we get maximum value back uh, while they've got assets. Oh, I'm not interested in uh, having, a, having a player, uh, regardless whether it's Josh Dunkley or, or someone not... Uh, of his calibre. If they're not all in at our club, I don't want them. I'm not interested. Uh, if they've got one eye on another club, I don't want them playing uh, for our club for a whole other year. Um, so uh, I think uh, while we can, while we can get max uh, bang for our buck, I think we get the deal done. Uh, I think, uh, I think, and while we, while we, uh, yeah, obviously getting Dunkley's um, deal across the line, I'd like to get Adam Trelaw to replace him somehow in some sort of deal. Um, yeah, because. Possibility, Jack, and I, I agree with you. I, I think you know I would trade him right now. I think he's worth a lot on the table, and Essendon will give a lot to get him. I'm not sure he'll ever be worth as much. So I said the same on Trade Radio this morning. I would trade him out and get the absolute best possible deal. Yeah, welcome into the Captain's Run. 22 minutes past 10 o'clock. Time now to get to an athlete with an unbelievable story to tell. His name is John Rankin. He's an athlete. And it is November, which means it's the inaugural Kidney Health Australia Red Sox appeal, which is happening. And this man has a, a pretty harrowing story to tell about kidney health. John, thanks so much for your time. Might get to John very, very shortly. We'll get back to him in, yeah, I think we've got him now. G'day to you, John. Hey, g'day. How are you guys doing? 
Oh, we good, mate. T- tell us a little bit about your story. Uh, in 2005, you became only the 17th African-American in history to run the world-famous four-minute mile. Um, and we'll get to the developments in terms of your story in relation to kidney health shortly. But where did your love of athletics start, I guess? Yeah, it started when I was about 14 years old, uh, when I was watching the 1996 uh, uh, Summer Olympics. They were hosted uh, in, in the U.S., actually, in Atlanta. And I watched Michael Johnson, uh, you know, sprint to gold and, and multiple records. And I was just enamored with what I was seeing and, and that dream uh, to do kind of a similar thing at the Olympic Games in, in the sport of track if it was born. Uh, right around that time in my life, again, I was about 14 years old. So you raced uh, with Nike, who sponsored you in the lead-up to the 2008 Olympics, and you settled on the 1,500-metre event. I was looking at your times, your elite across um, 800, 1,500. You've got an elite 5K time as well. What was it about the 1,500 um, that appealed to you? I loved how everybody could understand and relate to the distance. Um, I'm very much um, somebody who loves people and loves to connect with people. And so I saw the event, the event as a way to connect with others because everybody always, would always ask you two, two or three things. You know, what's your, you know, how fast are you in the hundred meters? Uh, what's your mile time? And and, and uh, have you ever run a marathon? And so uh, you know, when you think about running and specifically track and field or the, the sport of running, the mile is one of the most common things that people ask about. So I, I thought I was, saw it as a way to connect with people, and I thought people would really love um, and fall in love with, you know, an athlete that could really run fast in that event. And obviously, who doesn't love the idea of being uh, joining the sub-four-minute mile uh, group of runners? And I definitely I thought that was a magical period in Chase, and it appealed to me. Which you did, and not not only did the did you join that group, you smashed it. I mean, your, your personal best for one mile was three minutes and fifty four seconds. I think I'm correct in saying that. So that is that is up there with the best yeah. ever. Um, what was that feeling like to to break that barrier of four minutes for the mile? The first time I did it, uh, April two thousand five, actually at UCLA, my alma mater. Um, it was amazing. I. I had dreamed of that moment since I was 14. So to be, you know, 22 years old and to have finally have achieved that that uh, magical moment, it was very surreal. I, I kind of couldn't believe that it had happened as soon as I crossed the finish line and looked up at the clock and the announcer said it was one of the fastest times in the world that day. Um, it was it was super great. Uh, I, I I'll never forget uh, that moment for the rest of my life. Mm. So it's, take take me to the start line when your your goal is to break that barrier, and it's such a tricky distance because you you are basically are you sprinting? Uh, what percent are you going in terms of if your max speed is a hundred percent? What what percent do you think you're running for uh-huh. for sixteen hundred meters? Is it is it eighty five? Is that about the figure? I think you're about right. I think it's about eighty five percent. You know, because it's a controlled sprint. Um, you know, obviously, if you think about the, the half distance of that, which is about 800 meters, you know, I mean, those guys are close to top end speed, um, and they have to play play with that line of, of running just beyond what they're capable of running all out uh, and sustaining that. I think you're just a notch below that. 
when it comes to the 1500 meters. So I'd say you're about 85% mm. effort and you're, you're, you're throttling right around, um, you know, that all out effort, which you're trying to save for near the, the latter stages of the race. John Rankin is a U.S. athlete joining us this morning with elite times across the 1500, the mile, the 5K. He's even run a marathon, which I love. But take me back to, to the story and, and why you yeah. are a part of inaugural Kidney Health Month, which is November. You were in the lead up to the Olympic trials when you did a, a pretty routine, um, illicit, not illicit drugs, but performance enhancing drugs test, I assume. And there was an ab- abnormal finding that came back, John. Uh, what happened? Yeah, so, you know, as you prepare for the Olympic trials um, or any major championship and then you're preparing to represent your country, you go through physical exams and um, they test, you know, all functions of your body. Uh, the, U- the, the routine urine test is what came back extremely abnormal for me. And uh, it, it, it was an indication based on the numbers uh, that I was more than halfway towards kidney failure less than a month out from the U.S. Olympic trials in 2008. And that's when really the journey of discovering that I had kidney disease began for me. And what was that feeling like when that came back? It would have been a massive shock. Did you have no side effects in the lead up to that? Was that the first you knew about it? Yeah, the side effects, is, it's very concerning when you think about kidney disease. It's I, I, I consider it one of those silent, um, you know, but deadly uh, things that you just are unaware of until it, it sneaks up on you, until it's too late. Um, statistically speaking, it's about you can lose up to 90% of kidney function and not even know it because you won't really physically feel the symptoms until that, that point. So, yeah, I didn't feel anything. I had no idea. I was completely shocked when they told me uh, that they, you know, they were so concerned uh, about my health. And yet I was the fittest I'd ever been in my life. At that point, I was 26 years old. I was one of the favorites to make the U.S. Olympic team in the 1500 meters in a very competitive, um, mm. you know, event mm. that year. In terms of that, that specific event with Bernard Lagat, Lopez Lamont, Lionel Mazzano, three Olympians, you know, Alan Webb as well. I mean, it was a very stacked, um, you know, race. And, um, and I was one of the favorites to make the team. Uh, for my first official Olympic team. And so I was shocked, and I honestly kind of just had to put it in the back of my mind and not think about it until long after the trials were over and the Olympic Games were over uh, before I would even revisit what that diagnosis or at least initial uh, prognosis meant. I, I could not and wouldn't allow myself to think about it in that lead-up to the uh, trials. Mm. And you were told at the time there was no real cure, but I've since read that you've been receiving treatment that's been quite effective. Yeah, you know, there's there's definitely have had some, you know, opportunities to just talk to some of the best doctors and and everything about what's the best ways for me to manage uh, my kidney kidney disease. And um, it's something that, you know, it's very much of that love to, you know, and what I'm trying to do now is talk more about it very thoughtfully it was a very experimental uh treatment um i prefer not to go into the details because i don't Mm. want to mislead anybody Uh, but the main thing that i would say as far as my health is concerned is that i've been very fortunate to be in a position where my my particular disease fsgs uh, which is a form of kidney disease has not progressed 
to the point where I need dialysis or have had the need of a kidney transplant. So I've been in a very good position because of health, physical activity, good diet, and consistently maintaining those two things in, in, in regards to my kidney health. And I've been able to, I think, in many ways prevent it from progressing because I'm doing all of the little things that are required of somebody um, to keep their kidney function as high as they possibly can once they're diagnosed with uh, kidney disease. Well, mate, congratulations on not only your athletic career, but the awareness that you are raising, in particular at this time, November. It's the inaugural Kidney Health Australia Red Sox appeal. It's happening, um, and you are now touring the country as a motivational speaker, continuing to raise this awareness. And we really appreciate your time here on SEN this morning. Thank you so much, you guys, and thanks for, for allowing us the opportunity to just keep raising awareness and, and giving everybody a chance to contribute to this beautiful initiative. American athlete John Rankin was our guest this morning. If you want more information on that, um, just search up uh, Kidney Health Australia Red Sox Appeal, which is happening right throughout the month of November. It's time now for a news update with Meredith Gibbs. Yeah, a couple of minutes to 11 o'clock. Uh, Donald Trump is speaking to the media right now. We'll get the latest with that situation, which is... Um, seems to be quite comical from what I'm reading online with Meredith Gibbs in the 10 o'clock news in a matter of minutes. In the meantime, let's go to Forest Hill and speak to Alan. G'day to you, Alan. G'day, Kane. Uh, I promise I won't ask you how you're going. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm very well. For, for everyone else listening, uh, I, I'm good. I appreciate what? you asking, but but I'm well. So, Alan, You've only been you're... telling us that for Yeah, I know. So I know. It is, it's, an, it's an automatic I'll... response, I understand. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, just a little message for that guy a couple of calls back. Uh, the Essen supporter that um, reckons that Carlton hate Essendon because uh, they wrecked his child or they wrecked their childhood. Um, I've been a uh, member supporter for over 50 years of the boys and uh, didn't wreck my childhood because. Uh, as a seven-year-old, my dad took me along to the 68 grand final. Uh, I stood on his uh, empty so I could see the game in standing room and the Blues beat the Bombers by three points. <laughs> it was a great day. Did not wreck your childhood. I appreciate that. What, what I do love about doing this show is the rivalry between supporters. One comes on and says something disparaging about another club. They quickly fire back and the text, hundreds of them just come through instantly. The calls start... It's what we love. It's what makes our game so great. There's a big last hour coming up. We are going to speak to Kyle Hardigan, who's Hawthorne's newest player. Hawks fans got a question. Send it through. 0433981116. Brett Phillips has the latest developments on just how Melbourne um, holds the great summer of tennis that we've been accustomed to. Jade Rawlings has a new coaching gig after being sacked by North Melbourne. It's all coming up in a big last hour of the Captain's Run. Yeah, plenty of time for you to still have your say throughout the next hour through until 12 o'clock before Huddo's in the house for Dwayne, I think, this week. Doing a magnificent job. We'll take over at 12. one 736 736 is the number. Well, after 113 games at the Adelaide Football Club across eight seasons, Kyle Hardigan has exercised his right to free agency. In fact, it wasn't a free agency deal in the end. It was a trade. But he's now, he's now a Hawthorne player and he joins me. Kyle, congratulations on the new home and thanks for your time this morning. Uh, thanks, Kane. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Uh, we've spoken to you before and ab- about your 
uh, affection for the Adelaide Footy Club, I guess, and and that's what happens after eight seasons at one club. Um, it doesn't appear there's any um, ill feeling towards the Crows. Uh, would that be a fair statement? Yeah, that's totally fair. No, definitely no ill feelings. I, I love that footy club, and um, they were the ones that gave me the opportunity, and um, I, I was a part of some some really good success, and um, not the ultimate, but um, you know we had some really good years, and then um, we went through some tough times as well. And um, I've got a lot of really good friends, and um, the people I, I call um, my family now. So um, no, it was definitely um, no ill feelings with the footy club. Um, always going to have a special place in my heart, but um, yeah, it was just uh, opportunity to move on and um, go back to Melbourne and be around family, especially after the year we've had with COVID and young family um, I've got now. So um, it, it's yeah, it changes your your mindset and your decisions um, when, when you're thinking about others and not just yourself. Yeah, so that was the motivating factor because the Crows are pretty pretty outspoken that that offered you a contract. They wanted you to stay, but the main reason is for family reasons, as you just explained. Yeah, well, that's it. I've got a one-year-old daughter, and um, no one's actually seen her um, seen her grow up uh, this last year. All, yeah. all of our family, they haven't been able to get across, and um, my mother-in-law actually quarantined in Darwin for a couple of weeks to... Um, to get across and um, to see her um, just because it, it's, yeah, they haven't been able to. So, um, and, and also, you know, the, the Crows are, um, they're, they're sort of looking to play those younger players and, and the, there was an opportunity to um, go to Hawthorne and, and play on um, the, the big key, key forwards. So, um, yeah, it was a um, decision mostly about family, but also a great opportunity at Hawthorne and, um, Looking forward and really excited about joining a really strong um, Victorian club. Yeah, I can imagine the excitement would be there. Be, be a tip, different atmosphere um, going from a two-team town to playing at the Hawks. Was was Clarko behind this move in any way? Like, did he jump on the phone and, and was there any convincing that needed to be done, or was was pretty straightforward your your choice? Uh, I did have a um, Zoom with Clarko and had a really good chat to him and and what he sees um, going forward um, with the footy club and. Um, where I would fit in and that sort of stuff, but um, yeah, there was like uh, there was all, all obviously pros and cons to you know I'd been at Adelaide eight years, so I had to weigh up whether whether I was going to stay and um, that sort of thing, and then um, th- there was the family factor and that. So there was a few different things I had to weigh up, but in the end, it was um, yeah, I-, I chose to go. New Hawthorne recruit Kyle Hardigan joining us on the captain's run on SEN this morning. So, so what about the Hawks? We we, we analyse them closer than most of the other teams in, in where they're at, and a lot would say they need youth and talent and draft picks to come in after topping up. Where does a 28-year-old defender who's been in the system for eight years fit in, do you think? And the second part is, do, do you think their goal is finals next year and, and they will try and remain up the top? Yeah, definitely. I, I do think um, the goal is to play some finals and um, be very competitive next year. Um, that, that's something that I spoke to Clarko about, and um, he was he was pretty confident that um, yeah, that they, they the Hawks can compete to um, play in finals. Um, whether that's top four or not um, is, is another story, but definitely um, being around the mark to, to play finals, and um, that was something that really appealed to me and. Um, obviously, everyone loves winning and loves playing in finals, and especially big finals back in Melbourne at the MCG. That's that's um, going to be pretty exciting. But uh, 
yeah, as I look at it, that um, Hawks have had a, a number of defenders go to the footy club later on in their career and um, go on for four to five years and um, actually excel and, and take their game to the next level. So that that was really positive for me, looking at um, guys like Brian Lake and James um, Frawley and, and Gibson and that in the past. So um, looking at those sort of guys and um, taking their game to the next level and um, definitely learning the game under Clarko. Um, yeah, I was really excited about it. And I think um, position players take a lot longer to um, develop. And, um, I, yeah, I, I've had a few injuries the last couple of years. But once I got on the park this year, I seem to um, play some good footy. So I, I don't see why I can't play for the next, yeah, three or four years going forward. And, um, yeah, actually play some consistent footy and, and play a role for that footy team. You did do that, uh, and I'm wondering whether there was a moment in the year where it really did cement Hawthorne's interest in you. I mean, the role that you played on Hawkins, you, you tended to get the big jobs right throughout the back half of the year at Adelaide. What Was there a moment where the Hawks thought, gee, I just saw him play on Hawkins and, and we think he can do that more often for us? Uh, I'm not too sure. You probably have to ask Graham right yeah. and um, ask for that. Um, that's, yeah, the, I just... Um, and so I'm, I'm not sure the exact point where they got the interest because um, they would obviously go to my management and then my management just let me play footy. And then once the season started to wrap up, then he came to me with the options that we had and, um, yeah, we sat down and spoke about it. Um, and do you know any of your new teammates? Have you had anything to do with the, any of the players at the Hawks and have they been in contact already? Yeah, I've had a number of the boys get in contact um, and said, like, welcome to the club and be excited to get, get down and crack in, into it. Um, and when you get into Melbourne, we'll, um, we'll catch up. And um, But I don't know too many. I've met a couple of guys here and there um, through other players like Kyle Cheney that have come to the footy club at his wedding and, and that sort of thing. But um, don't know too many guys other than um, Andy Ottens now at um, development coach there so he's been in contact as well and um yeah i'm sure he'll show me show me around the place and um look forward to getting in there early i'll probably go in there and um, do some training and meet the young guys um when they go back in december have you made the move yet no i haven't i'm actually on holidays in um in queensland um oh, so wow. um yeah just getting some sun up here and um doing a bit of training um with the family and then uh, i'll head back to sa and and pack up the house and uh, and get over. Look for a house in in Melbourne. And um, once once we get something sorted, then yeah, we'll we'll pack the car and head over. Mm. All right, mate. Well, congratulations. Uh, it's a it's a move that would be no doubt exciting for you to be around family and friends. And wish you all the success. And congratulations. Thanks for your time on your holidays, which we appreciate. No, nah, not a problem. Thanks for having me, boys. Kyle Hardigan, a new Hawthorne defender slotting in and clearly for the the questions that we we're asking about Hawthorne, like where do we see them? Um, are they a club, we know Clarko, how competitive is he, he is and clearly the last two years of his contract wants to be ultra competitive and not really wanting to rebuild. That's the answer, I think. I think they see themselves capable of, of playing finals next year as Kyle just explained to us then. Um well, let's get to this. Bet Deluxe. Serious betting for serious punters. Betdeluxe.com.au. Gamble responsibly. Uh, Bet Deluxe. Serious betting for serious punters. Gamble responsibly. Paul Sebastiani from Bet Deluxe joins us. Paul, thanks for your time again. No worries. Lovely to hear your voice, Kane. 
McKinnon Stakes Day tomorrow, Paul. It is the final day of the Flemington Spring Carnival. Um, what has caught your interest in that? Yeah, plenty going on in the McKinnon Stakes. Arcadia Queen comes up at $3 favourite at au. Melody Bell's flying over from the Tasman as well. The New Zealand mare, she's a $4.40 second elect, but we like one uh, up the top of the weights. 50 stars, $9 has been good each way support for it at au. And don't forget, we've got the specials on McKinnon Stakes Day as well. You run second and third at any race at Flemington and get your money back in bonus bets up to 50 bucks, Kane. Bit of a uh, upset in Origin 1 here in Adelaide with uh, Queensland upsetting New South Wales. W- what's the odds saying for Game 2? Yeah, New South Wales still favourite with us at Bet Deluxe. They're about $1.38. Line still set at 8.5. The Maroons are outsiders as well. The punters were seething after all the money came for New South Wales in Game 1, so they're hoping to, to get one back on us at uh, in, game, in State of Origin Game 2, Kane. And there's a WBBL cricket match. Melbourne Stars taking on the Scorchers. Find us a winner. Yeah. Yeah, Melbourne Stars, good good money for them at the moment at betdeluxe.com.au. They're $1.70 favourites to beat the first Scorchers. You come up about 2.10, 2.15 with us at Betdeluxe, Kane. Cheers. Good on you, Paul. We will speak to you next week, my friend. He's all over everything on the calendar for the weekend sporting action. You can check them out. Bet Deluxe, they are serious betting for serious punters betdeluxe.com.au and as the team always say at Bet Deluxe, gamble responsibly. Nineteen minutes past eleven o'clock on the captain's run. Still to come, Jade Rawlings is going to have a chat to us. He's got a new coaching gig. He's been to a lot of clubs: Richmond, Brisbane, Melbourne. He's coached Coburg and he's coached Casey in his own right. Well, he's now switching competitions. Is going to come to the sample. He's going to tell us all about that before we leave today. Plenty of time for your calls also, one 736 736 But we've all been wondering, a lot of us, how the Australian summer of tennis is going to go ahead. It is one of the best times on the calendar. And to tell us all about it is our tennis guru. It's thanks to GLG Green Life Group, your outdoor, sorry, your open space specialist celebrating 25 years. You can find out more at glgcorp.com. That's glgcorp.com. Brett Phillips, BP, thanks for your time again. Yeah, thank you, Kane. Uh, good to join you. I thought we'd have a little bit of clarity uh, speaking to you today. That was the word I was getting, but we may still be another a week away from knowing exactly what the Australian summer of tennis is going to look like, uh, Melbourne and, and also the lead-up. So uh, there's, a, there's a bit sort of bubbling around at the moment. Makes it so tricky because Victoria now really stable, seven days, no cases, all of that. So if you've got Australian competitions, well, th- that's great. Like the AFL looking likely, you know, everything will go okay with, with fans and that type of thing. But when you start to welcome in international athletes, that's where it gets complicated from a political point of view and from a PR standpoint, I guess, Brett. What do you think they're planning? Yeah, so what I know at the moment is, and this has sort of been documented a little bit the last few days, is obviously the Australian Open is going to go ahead, but it's the lead-up. So, number one, it's um, the players, and we're talking about, you know, the top 100 and and those beyond have all signed sort of some uh, pre-visa forms to get that process underway of getting them to Australia. Obviously, they have to all quarantine for the two weeks. What hasn't been signed off, and this is all in front of all the state governments, which are obviously all different because of some borders being open and some not being open, but it's, uh, okay, Uh, the players will come. They understand they've got to quarantine, but they want 
to be able to train. They want to be able to go to practice courts, go to a gym, etc. Is that going to be allowed? That still hasn't been ticked off. Number two... Uh, is the movement between states. So obviously uh, the players need exemptions who, who might start their year in Brisbane, who then might play the Adelaide International before going to Melbourne. Are they going to be Adelaide to move between states? That still hasn't been uh, totally uh, signed off at the moment. So if, if movement's not allowed, uh, then that's, that brings into play the Australian Open scenario of having everything in Melbourne, um, the lead-ups, the ATP Cup, will it still look like the ATP Cup or will they reschedule or reformat uh, some sort of lead in two weeks and then you get everyone into one place and then that may make it logistically a little bit easier. So they've sort of said November 13, a week's time is the... Um, the deadline, because they want to put tickets on sale by the end of November. Obviously, players need to get organised to be here uh, very early December or towards mid-December later. So they're just waiting on the, all the governments, uh, Kane, to tick everything off. And if they don't, they're going to have to you know, plan for uh, different scenarios. Mm, uh, which is problematic. What's the When's the day? Like, when do you think this yep. uh, decision needs to be made? Yeah, well, they're sort of saying around about a week, uh, you know, maybe maybe a week after, but ending beyond that, if uh, if the the lead ups can't be uh, ratified, that's when they're going to have to go in and say, okay, well, we'll everyone's just got to come to Melbourne, then we're going to we're going to design obviously um, an itinerary of sorts. So it's going to be tough probably to play, you know, the ATP Cup in its format unless it's in the three different states with the amount of teams involved in that competition. So do they scrap the ATP Cup? Uh, Brisbane obviously have a women's event. Adelaide have the men's women's event combined. Hobart have a women's event. How can that be staged? Maybe <laughs> in Melbourne, uh, logistically thinking about that, that is uh, sort of headache material. Um, so they need to work through all those different scenarios. But clearly the players uh, will come here and commit to being in Australia for that five, six-week period. If they can leave their hotel during the 14-day quarantine, that's the big sticking point at the moment. Mm. What is the latest on the men's tour? There's the Rolex Paris Masters happening at the moment. Our man Alex Demonor just uh, lost in the third round. Um, how, how is the tour yep. going? Are they doing it without many hiccups? It seems that way. Yeah, it's a, yeah, pretty pretty smooth. I mean, there's been you know sort of each tournament you're finding there's maybe the one uh, COVID positive case, but on the whole. Uh, with no crowds at these events, or very limited crowds. Uh, They've sort of been able to operate uh, fairly well. Look, I watched that Demon All match uh, last night, and he takes on Medvedev, who's obviously top five, and we know his credentials over the past 12 to 18 months, the big Russian, and and Alex really took it up to him. I thought he played some great tennis, but at the end of the day, Medvedev's just bigger, uh, wins points a little bit easier, Um, you know, just has that one extra shot in the kit bag. Jordan Thompson, you know, pushing the Dale, to a tie-break second set overnight, which was a pretty good effort from uh, Tomo. But, yeah, John Millman obviously winning his first event on the uh, ATP Tour, his first title last Sunday. It was uh, a long time coming, but he's been on an extraordinary journey and great to see him uh, get some rewards. So, yeah, it'll wrap up Paris this week. There's a 250 in Bulgaria next week, which a few of the Aussies, I think, are in the draw. And then, obviously, they'll start to make their way home. Mm. And uh, Rafa got himself another milestone. He's only the fourth player to earn a thousand open era singles yeah. victories. BP. So uh, it's rare com- company: Jimmy Connors, Roger Federer, Ivan Lendl, and Rafa in the thousand win club. Yeah, it's phenomenal, isn't it? And um, you know, you just wonder 
if he's, uh, well, I mean, I don't even know if Federer's quite going to beat Jimmy Connors' record. Mm. Rafa, being a bit younger, he's still got to win another 270-odd matches to get past uh, Connors. So, yeah, quite amazing. But Jimmy Connors played in an era where you, you played a hell of a lot more um, than the, the top players do these days who tend to stage their uh, their schedule. To, you know, Obviously, with the physicality of the game having gone up so much, just to make sure they, uh, they, they peak at the right time uh, to play these big events. But, yeah, a phenomenal record. Uh, there'll be a statue. There'll be something named after <laughs> him uh, long term. But, yeah, it wouldn't surprise if he has a good Paris this week. And he's never won the ATP finals, which are in London about a week and a half's time, the top eight. He's never been fresh. This year, he is pretty fresh. So, um, you know, he might be a, a chance to go pretty deep there. So what, what do you think they'll be planning, like these elite players in terms of they, they go there next and then... What would happen? I guess they're just waiting like everyone is to, to work out because most of them would then plan their um, trip across to yep. Australia and either play the lead-up tournaments, as you speak of, to acclimatise to the summer. But I guess they're just uncertain as well, like everyone. Yeah, and I think they're realising the players. They they have to be adaptable. They have to be nimble, all those words we used during the AFL season. And uh, they know that uh, the Australian Open puts on a pretty good show. There's a good relationship, I think, between you know the Australian Open tournament key staff and the players around the world. So they've been briefed over the last few weeks, told of everything that's happening. Uh, there's regular communication. Um, they want obviously they want to come here. I mean, you want to play a Grand Slam that's worth the most money, the most points. So they, they want to get to Australia and and uh, and keep the momentum going that they've been able to build up in the the last part of this year um, with the schedule uh, back on track. But it's um, yeah, just obviously uh, signing um, signing off on a few of the little things that are pretty important in terms of their you know preparation to be right for uh, a big January. They're not just going to sit in a hotel for two weeks, and that is a big sticking point that mm. hopefully um, they can get. Into exemption on. Good on you, PP. As always, we appreciate the update, mate. Thanks, Kane. Talk soon. Well, thanks to GLG Clean Life Group. You can clean your open space. They are the specialists celebrating 25 years. Find out more at glgcorp.com. Bizarre scenes from what I'm reading on social media with the president currently, but probably soon to be the former president, Donald Trump addressing the media. Uh, this has to be heard to be believed. Good evening. I'd like to provide the American people with an update on our efforts to protect the integrity of our very important 2020 election. If you count the legal votes, I easily win. If you count the illegal votes, they can try to steal the election from us. If you count the votes that came in late, we're looking at them very strongly. But a lot of votes came in late. This is just a meme waiting to happen. In fact, there's we shouldn't we shouldn't laugh really, but you got to see the funny side of it. There's some extreme comedy happening on Twitter at the moment in response to that. Some um, people saying they're claiming the Brownlow Medal when they they haven't even played at AFL level. That was one that I saw that was quite humorous. So that's the update, and I guess all it makes you think is we are we are lucky to live in Australia with the system that we have right now. Plenty of time, though, for you to get involved in the show. Big half an hour coming up. The number, as you know, is one 736 736 We haven't played the quiz for a couple of weeks. We are going to do that after the 11.30 news update, which is important for Gibbsy to keep you across everything that's happening in the world right now. But up for grabs, 18 holes of golf for two, plus a complimentary drink, thanks to Club Mandalay. Golf is back, and they are 
must-play course in Melbourne's north. So, one 736 736 if you want to line up right now. Last person standing to win the round of golf at Club Mandalay. And the theme for the quiz this morning, Chad's Brothers Quiz, it's a coaching-themed quiz. We're going to speak to uh, Brady Jade Rawlings, I should say, very, very surely. He's had a big coaching move, so that is the theme of the quiz. So if you think you know a bit about coaching, line up. And you could win yourself a great prize with a quiz this morning. It is nearly smack bang on 11.30 for listening to us on SENSA in Adelaide. It is 11 o'clock. It's time now for the news update with uh, Meredith Gibbs. Yeah, one of the great guys of footy is joining us now after surprisingly, um, well, he was he was sacked as a North Melbourne assistant coach with a couple of years left on his contract. Surprising to many of us, he has taken and jumped at another opportunity to coach his own side in the Sandful at Norwood. Jade Rawlings is his name. Jade, firstly, congratulations and thanks for your time. Yeah, thanks, Kane. Yeah, very pleased with the, the outcome and looking forward to being part of South Australian culture and, uh, yeah, involved in a very traditional and strong club. Yeah, I think that's right. I think you, you'll fit in just nicely. Can, can we go back a little bit? This has all sort of moved fairly quickly, I assume. I guess it wasn't in your planning. You had a couple of years to go in the AFL system. That turned quickly for a lot of people at North Melbourne, players included. And now you find yourself heading to South Australia. What, what's the events been like in the last few weeks? Yeah, it's been interesting. It uh, clearly didn't wasn't the way I thought it'd be scripted, but uh, yeah, I, after the hub finished, I've moved I'm down to Tasmania at the moment, and yeah, once um, my um, time at North was done, I was in the position of trying to see what was next, and given the climate, it's pretty challenging to, for clubs to add people when they're more often not looking to cut, so I was in a situation to chat to a couple of clubs at AFL level, which didn't quite work out, unfortunately, but what it did do as I was in that process, the Norwood opportunity emerged, and once I put my mind around the concept of coaching again and the support I had of family and encouraged me to do it. I was really driven to try and uh, be a successful applicant for that role at, at Norwood and um, yeah, I, I went through a very thorough process which I liked. I felt really challenged and some of my most enjoyable times, Kane, as a coach have been when I've been the coach at Coburg and Casey and, and now Norwood. So I feel pretty fortunate actually and quite privileged to be in a position to be able to coach Norwood. How do you reflect on your time at North and, and do you leave with any ill feeling? Uh, no, I don't. I, it didn't work out, Kane. And I think um, for some people probably hope that my brother and I had fallen out, but it couldn't be further from the truth. We, uh, mm. We're still really tight. Uh, yeah, I, I don't want to talk to it too much because it just didn't work out. I've had 26 years in the AFL and I couldn't be more thankful for the opportunities I've been afforded. Uh, I don't think any of us in the industry like failing or not, not succeeding what we put our minds to, but it just wasn't meant to be and, and maybe in the end it was meant to be that I was, I was supposed to be coaching at the second tier level and coaching Norwood. So that's the way I look at it. I'm at peace with it all. I understand clubs have got to make tough decisions when on-field isn't successful. So, no, there's no bitterness for me at all. How far into the season did you realise that you wouldn't be at North Melbourne in 2021? No, I didn't find out until I was down in Tassie. So, so I was, yeah, probably two, two weeks after I got back down. So... I could sniff something wasn't quite right when I, at the end of the season, I couldn't quite pinpoint it, but my gut was telling me something wasn't quite adding up, and yeah, in the end it just didn't go away, and unfortunately it, was, it wasn't me, it was like Jared Moore, Jason Lappin and Heath Scott, and also some suffered a similar fate, so yeah, I I sort of think I speak on behalf of all those guys, it, it's just unfortunate we've um, yeah, paid the price for a bad season on the field, and, and I understand when clubs need to realign what they want to do to get success 
on field and get their club moving in the right direction. I'll just, yeah, it was unfortunate we couldn't be part of that. Was it your brother who informed you of your fate? No, the, the process was, was challenging because clearly his role had a footy and he, he made us aware that as a group of coaches, not just me, that yeah, things were looking a bit shaky and yeah, I was notified by uh, the CEO. So uh, yeah, it was, it was challenging and probably one of the learnings, boys, is definitely family and footy are... Uh, uh, given like Simon and Brad's roles as well, mm. Lloyd, you'd understand mm. if you're an assistant with them as your boss. If I had my time again, I, I think it was probably a naive decision by me to, to go down that path. Uh, as, as tight as we are and as much as we love working together, it just put him in a challenging position and, and obviously yeah, the outcome with me it just made it challenging and difficult. And uh, but as I said before, the relationship's binding and really strong. So, uh, yeah, he, he's been brilliant with his support of me through it all as well. Jade Rawlings joining us this morning. He's taken up a new opportunity at Nord after leaving North Melbourne. Uh, Jade, you've been at Richmond, at Brisbane, Melbourne. You said you've coached Coburg and Casey in your own right as well. Um, you are a career coach. We said that before. And th- this move, is it designed to get you back into the AFL system, you think, in time? Is that the ultimate goal? No, it's an interesting question, Kane, because my discussions with Norwood were all about... Uh, I got asked the question in the interview, am I a flight risk? Like, am I someone who's just going to come in, say that I'm going to be there, stay for a year with the ambition of just trying to get back in the AFL system? And it really challenged my thinking because it's actually not my intention. If, if I end up back in the AFL system in time, that'll, that'll be meant to be and that'll, that will run its course. But my commitment to coaching Norwood, Lord, you know me pretty well and um, yes. Kane not so much. But when I commit to something, I'm, I'm emotionally invested. That's the way I'm wired as a person. And so, yeah, I go with, uh, real intention to embed myself in the club and in, in, the, in the city in Adelaide. I'm, all the people I've come across who are South Australian people, let alone footballers, are just so passionate about their clubs and about their city and their state. So I love that. Tasmania operates in a similar way. So, uh, yeah, that, that part of it, really getting involved in the South Australian footy culture and the lifestyle is something that really excites me. Where, where do you see the AFL uh, at at the moment? You know, cuts significantly everywhere. Is it going to force assistant coaches to do more? Because I can't imagine the senior coaches are going to be any less demanding with less resources. Are you concerned about the workload and the career path of being an assistant at AFL level? No, I'm not, Kane. I think it's what you sign up for, personally. I, no, there's no doubt. And I, to use something else that Clarkson said earlier in the year, I think we've overindulged as an industry because... Everything's just kept getting bigger, and you try and chase the best, so you want to keep adding to justify and try and obviously improve performance. But I think it's something you sign up for is the workload at a persistent level. But to your point about will they do more, I think the most successful people will be something, a, a staff member who can also do and something else. So if there's people who can coach but also capacity run a leadership program or mm. uh, be involved in some other arm of the, the footy program, they'll be the most valuable people. And the industry will come back again. I'm sure in four or five years' time, gradually the club's coaching resources will increase and stock back up again. But I think the hopefully the Pathways program and second tier will be the beneficiary of experienced people going back to coach at that level. So I think that's where the, the, the positive out of this situation will be. And when is it that you'll make your move to South Australia? Yeah, I've got a bit of a different family set up, Lordy, yeah. so it's, it's going to be just me going over. I've got a couple of daughters in Melbourne and then I've also got a partner and children in Tasmania. So... Uh, they made the choice, or we made the choice, the family, that they would come back about 18 months ago because of some um, my stepchildren who live yeah. down here as well. Yeah. So I'll be going over by myself with the intention that the rest of the crew will move over in time. I was trying to get over next week, but there's no flights going out Adelaide back to Tassie, so I'm, I'm going to hold off for an extra week and 
I'm out in the middle of November, I'll be over there, but I've got heaps to learn. There's there's so much, you know, uh, in the Norwood Footy Club that I've got to wrap my head around and talking to this management, people will probably be surprised at second tier level, but there's a full on this management model, uh, the recruiting of uh, mature age golf, also the pathway program, the club's got a, a zoned area in the Air Peninsula, so how do we progress those people into the club? So I've got a fair bit to do, and uh, my life's gone from being pretty boring to very busy within 24, 48 hours. <laughs> And it's going to come with challenges. The salary cap's down. Well, it's, it's nearly been halved. I think it's just over two hundred grand, Jade. But their expectations are, at this level are, are still pretty significant on the players. I mean, how much of a challenge is that for you not to lose players to country leagues and other leagues with with the money coming back so much? I think it's going to be challenging, Kane. I was aware going into the process that the salary cap was being reduced, and someone asked me the question the other day: Should we expect less of the players if they're going to be? If, not paid as much and I couldn't be more opposed to that sort of view. The competition have demands for players to be at the level and uh, so I'm trusting of James Fantasia and Mark Ross, our people who run that arm of the club to be able to manage it and yep, players need to be remunerated at this level but I'd like to think that given the what type of club we are and what we want to stand for and be that, that we shouldn't lose out too much but we're also looking to add, so that's the balance we're going to try and strike. Well, good on you, mate. Congratulations. Oh, great to Thanks, see buddy. good people remain in the system. You're a passionate one and you've got great experience. So I think you do a great job and um, we welcome you to the sample. And thanks for your time this morning. Sell with O'Brien. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91